Good morning, Orlando. Wednesday morning, the first day of summer. Good morning to you at 6 o'clock as we give you our first look at Orlando's news, weather, and traffic here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning Karen Handel is victorious in Georgia's special election, and the panhandle braces for Tropical Storm Cindy. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. And we'll take a look at those special election results and analyze what they mean and take your calls next on Good Morning Orlando. Happy Hump Day. It's 6.01 on News Radio 1025. Republican Karen Handel is the winner of Georgia's hotly contested special congressional election. In her victory speech last night, Handel reached out to supporters of her Democratic rival, John Ossoff. Handel promised to work hard to earn their confidence in the weeks ahead. Handel will fill the seat vacated by President Trump's Secretary of Health and Human Services, Tom Price. Georgia's 6th Congressional District has been a GOP stronghold for years, but Ossoff pushed hard to make it a closely watched race, probably the most closely watched race in the country. Money poured into the race and it ended up being the most expensive congressional contest in U.S. history. Elsewhere, Republican Ralph Norman is the projected winner in South Carolina's special election. Norman beat Democratic rival Archie Parnell last night for the open seat in in the Palmetto State's 5th Congressional District. Norman will fill the seat vacated by President Trump's budget director, Mick Mulvaney. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. In a moment, we're going to put the heavy spotlight here on Good Morning Orlando on the Georgia 6th Congressional race. You think there was one winner, one loser? I will tell you, there were two winners and two losers. And we got to talk about this, and we will in a moment, Deb, but back to you. Thank you. Yeah, Tropical Storm Cindy is turning toward the northern Gulf Coast, moving at 8 miles per hour to the northwest with 60-mile-per-hour winds. It's expected to make landfall along the Louisiana-Texas border early tomorrow. Dennis Falcon of the National Hurricane Center in Miami tells us what folks can expect. Again, the biggest threat from Cindy is going to be the rain. Looks like six to nine inches with isolated maximum amounts of 12 inches are expected over southeastern Louisiana, southern Mississippi, southern Alabama, and the Florida Panhandle right through Thursday. And these rainfall amounts could cause life-threatening flash flooding. A tropical storm warning is posted from Texas across to the Florida border. Elsewhere in the tropics, tropical storm Brett has dissipated in the Caribbean. Uber CEO and co-founder Travis Kalanick is stepping down. The head of the ride-hailing service was already on a leave of absence following several scandals inside the company, including allegations of rampant sexual harassment throughout the company. Kalanick was facing strong opposition from shareholders. In fact, a statement given to the New York Times overnight read in part, I love Uber more than anything in the world, and at this difficult moment in my personal life, I have accepted the investor's request to step aside so that Uber can go back to building rather than being distracted with another fight, end quote. In local news, even though it's legal in Florida, there is one popular spot where medical marijuana probably won't be allowed. The Greater Orlando Aviation Authority will vote today on banning medical marijuana from Orlando International Airport. The airport says allowing medical marijuana could put it at risk of losing federal funding and anyone caught with medical marijuana will be detained or arrested. However, police, Orlando police, say they won't arrest anyone legally carrying medical marijuana at the airport. Wow, interesting. I know, it's a new wrinkle to that story. Hadn't thought about that aspect. Me neither. And finally, today is the longest day of 
of the year, the summer solstice. Officially, I believe, at 1224 Eastern Time this morning is usually thought of as the first day of summer, but it's also the day where the sun stays out the longest in the Northern Hemisphere. That's when it's directly overhead the Tropic of Cancer. The amount of daylight you'll see depends on where you are in relation to the equator. There are several celebrations to mark the occasion, though, taking place around the globe in Iceland. There's a four-day music festival. Mm. More than 20,000 people have flocked to Stonehenge to witness the solstice sunrise. And here in the U.S., San Franciscans toast the event on Ocean Beach. I'll be doggone. And here in Florida, you know what? I think we take very little notice of the first day of summer because, you know, the calendar doesn't correspond with the weather we experience. You know, we we don't think about it. Matter of fact, I mentioned it was first day of summer to Yaffe earlier this morning. I thought it was like three weeks ago. (laughs) (laughs) I think because that's where we are in that with that line where you are in relation to the equator. Here in Florida, we feel like we're actually sitting on the equator. We do. Yes. By the end of May, beginning of June. So by June 21st, like you said, you're like, what? It's not summer yet? I just don't think we take note of the start of any of the seasons the way most of the rest of the country does. And it's all driven by our weather being so vastly different from most of the other states. Absolutely. Absolutely. But you'll be seeing the pictures of Stonehenge and everything, you know, so. Oh, yeah. It's worth noting. Big deal. I like that. Yeah. Good spin on that. WFLA News Time at 6.06. Ooh, bud, here's a story that's going to frost your flakes. You oh, can that's re- all I need. You can read about high schools abandoning the valedict- uh, valedictorian award. Over fear of unhealthy competition. Yes, I've heard about this. We were going to do some time with this this morning, but I got too many other things to talk about. But if folks want to connect to the story we may put in the lineup tomorrow, how do they do it? Just go to 1025wfla.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. News, weather, traffic. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. From the Funkade Realty Studio, visit laurahasthebuyers.com. Yaffe's uh, producing and Priscilla is screening. We're going to get into the uh, Georgia 6th Congressional District race and, and what it means. And really, there are two winners, two losers, and I'll explain that here in a moment. And we'll be taking your phone calls. But before we go any further, um, I want to wish a very happy retirement to a true broadcasting legend here within our building and in, within the entire radio industry The Phillips Files host, the legend from Real Radio 104.1, Jim Phillips, announced yesterday to his vast audience that he's going to retire, I think, at the end of this year, right? Yeah, January of 2018. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, he and I agree on nothing political. He is is very liberal. But he, the, the guy is an absolute powerhouse in radio. He started in our newsroom. He used to be the news director. Yes. For the Florida News Network. Right. And and as I recall, they had a talk host who left to go somewhere else. And, and I think that they all of a sudden threw Jim in to be the talk host. And I remember when it happened. And I thought at first, well, you know, he's doing a pretty good job. And I didn't realize then how tough this job is until I got one like it <laughs> later on, Deb. But then all of a sudden he got into it, hit his stride. And I mean, he spoke his mind on the issues and he was just so dead level honest and so abrasive at times and some would even say arrogant they did billboards that just said jim phillips arrogant you know (laughs) and people even more tuned in and he and i are great friends and i hold him in the highest esteem professionally and he really is a good guy personally and jim we wish you and your wonderful wife 
happiness in retirement. We're glad we have the rest of this calendar year to listen to you on the radio. Hard to believe it's please put in 50 years in the broadcasting industry right yeah. here in Orlando. It's amazing. It really is. <laughs> it really is. But kudos to him for being able to leave, you know, at the top of his game and oh, yeah. still have plenty of time, hopefully, for he and his wife, Catherine, to enjoy retirement, yeah. which every day sounds better and better. Oh, come on now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You got a long way to go, kiddo. Oh. All right. Listen, the Deb Meister will be back with news top and bottom of the hour all morning long and whenever it breaks don't miss her she's amazing and uh we all are going to get into this uh, georgia sixth congressional district race i love the way this one turned out how sweet it is in a moment we'll have that in orlando's news weather and traffic as well in only two minutes on news radio 1025 wfla this was billed this race here as a referendum on the trump presidency you know, with all the Russia investigations and the ATM machine running wild, the anti-Trump media machine and the approval ratings of the president, Rasmussen has him in the high 40s, touching 50 uh, a few days ago on the tracking poll, but the rest of the approval ratings are in the mid to high 30s. This president is vulnerable. This whole Trump thing is a terrible mistake made by the American electorate, and we're going to get these bellwether house Special election results. We're going to win them, said the Democrats. And it's going to start putting one chink in the armor after another of this president and this administration. And we're going to take them all down in the 2018 midterms. And maybe this would be something that would take us toward the tipping point of somehow getting the president to resign. This is the Democrats. Or get him impeached or something. We got to get rid of this guy. Trump derangement syndrome, that's what this special election and the other ones like it were really all about. The mainstream media was going crazy. And all you need to know about the results and the stunning victory, despite all of the money that was poured in from all across the country, most of it came in from Hollywood liberals, you know, or up there in Cape Cod and out in the Hamptons and everywhere else. The most expensive House election in history by a long shot. It all went for naught. It all went for naught. They had a flawed candidate and they got a flawed concept here if they think this is how they're going to begin taking this president down. Didn't work, did it? What do you think were the reasons Handel won this thing by four points? Yes, sounds like not so much, but it's a lot more than the polls had indicated. They Thought the whole thing was up for grabs. But again, all you need to know about where the ATM machine, the anti-Trump media machine, is coming from. This morning, I'm driving into work. I got satellite radio in my Lincoln MKZ from Central Florida, Lincoln. More on that in just a moment. But I'm listening to CNN at 3.30 this morning. They gave 30 seconds to the election results that the Republicans had beaten the Democrat candidate. They would have done the whole half hour if the Democrat had won. Let's listen first to the loser, the 30-year-old John Ossoff, who couldn't even vote for himself because he doesn't even live in the district, dressed up as a moderate when this guy's a flaming left-wing liberal who wants to drive the minimum wage up through the roof and kill jobs, Funding for Planned Parenthood, he's all over it, and he's a global warming, man-made global warming fanatic, okay? That's who this guy really is, and uh, here's what he said. This, I have to say off the top, is a very honest statement. This is not the outcome any of us were hoping for. 
But this is the beginning of something much bigger than us. I'll buy that, John. I don't know. Like maybe the complete collapse of the Democrat Party. We can only hope. Um, So we have Georgia, South Carolina, Kansas, Montana. Um, I'm seeing some stories on Fox that they're 0 for 5, the Democrats. I'd love to know what the fifth race is. I'm only aware of the four here, but we'll take 0 for 4 versus 0 for 5. Here's the winner, Republican Karen Handel, in her victory speech. You know, people liked her. I mean, she's a good, rock-solid Republican who's been Secretary of State in Georgia and uh, in the northern suburbs where this election was contested in the 6th District. She'd been the Fulton County uh, Commissioner for a long time. Here she is in her victory speech. We just excerpted this. I want you to listen to what happens when she thanks the president. And a special thanks to the president of the United States of America. Okay, there you go. Trump, 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 Trump. Oh, by the way, I told you there were not one winner, not one loser, but two winners, two losers. I'll explain in a moment. I'd like to know your reaction to the race and the results and my commentary. 407-916-5400. How do you see it? Text line 23680. We'll dig in on that and have Orlando's news, weather, and traffic updated here in just a moment. Yeah, there were two winners and two losers last night in Georgia's 6th Congressional District Special House race. The two winners, obviously Karen Handel, who takes the seat once held by um, by Tom Price, who left Congress to head Health and Human Services for President Trump and be in the Trump cabinet and driving health care, etc. Okay? And uh, before that, years ago, it was the Gingrich seat for like 20 years, okay? But there was another winner here. This was billed by the Democrats and pushed hard by the anti-Trump media machine, the ATM machine, as I call it, as a referendum on Trump. And if the Democrats can win in what is a traditionally heavily Republican district that Trump did not win by much, but he did win it in 2016, then that just means this president is incredibly vulnerable and all, all of the cards will start to fall in the Democrats' direction. It didn't happen. There are two big winners last night, Karen Handel and President Trump. It was a referendum on Trump, and Trump won, okay? Losers, Ossoff, of course, and the Democrat Party. They still do not have a message, really, or a messenger who resonates well with the American public, despite the relentless pro-Democrat, anti-Trump media machine doing everything they can to drag these Democrats across the finish line in these special House elections. 0 for 4, maybe 0 for 5, but I still don't know what the fifth state is. Yaffe, what's your take on this? Well, honestly, I part of me thinks this is the most overrated election in the history of elections. I don't understand why everyone's obsessed with one district in Georgia. I mean, I guess the Democrats, it was all because the Democrats were trying to create a perception that this was a referendum on Trump. And now it's going to, it's going to bite them in the butt trying to create that perception. But honestly, it's just one district. 
in one state that nobody cared about until a few months ago. As they say, all we're poli- all obsessed with it. It was uh, all politics is local, right? And this is essentially a local race. Yeah, and I, I think I think that's probably yeah. one of the biggest reasons it was. I don't see it as a big referendum on Trump. Now, the fact that you point out that there was there's been four. And all four of them have gone to the Republicans show that maybe the Democrats cannot just bill this hating Trump. They, they've hold, they've totally banked everything on just hating Trump. Yeah. And that's probably not going to work in all these local elections. That being said, I think we were all way too obsessed <laughs> with this election. Bill thinks there's a fatal flaw in the Democrat candidate who went down last night. John Ossoff, good morning from Merritt Island. Go ahead, Bill. The fatal flaw was he didn't live in the district. He couldn't even vote for himself. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know, I know. You look at you look at politics and you know uh, wherever. If the candidate doesn't live in the district, mm-hmm. uh, he he or she generally doesn't get elected. And if he does get elected, and they find out later, he generally gets booted out of office. I agree with that. That is a fatal flaw, but it's only one of many. I'm only dumping you early, Bill, because I want to bring on Paul from Orlando. Priscilla put it up on the screen that. I don't agree with Bud. The Democrats do have a message. What is it, Paul? It's the same old thing. Race baiting, uh, socialism. Uh, We're going to give you this minimum wage, but it's not resonating. People don't want to hear it. And, you know, with the the president, uh, the only people that think that he's waning or maybe is the elitist and the press. And all the political observers, but with the people, this man is more popular than he's ever been. And he's going to succeed. He's going to wipe these people out. He knows what he's doing. I'm just so impressed. Thank you, Paul, very much. Great perspective on that. Thank you both. And good morning. We are glad you're with us. If you're just joining us right now, Deborah Roberts, my partner and co-host, sliding in alongside me to get us all up to date on the news. We've been talking about this uh, latest special election victory for the GOP, and you've got more. Yes, I do. Republican Karen Handel is headed to Washington after winning Georgia's 6th House District special election. In her victory speech last night, Handel reached out to supporters of her Democratic rival John Ossoff. Handel promised to work hard to earn their confidence in the weeks ahead. She also called for more civility in politics and said no one on either side of the political spectrum should feel their life threatened over their beliefs. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. New research from the University of Colorado shows the influence of fake news is harming real journalism. Professor Chris Vargo says fake news websites publish twice as many stories as legitimate news organizations, which is forcing journalists to take time and set the record straight. Journalists have only so much time in a day. And when they have to take time to refute the claims of fake news, it distracts us as a society away from things that might be truly important. Vargo says news consumers have the ability to shape their own reality and hope people will use that ability to get away from fake news websites and partisan media organizations. White House spokesman Sean Spicer says President Trump might announce this week whether there are tapes of his conversations with former FBI Director James Comey. After Trump fired Comey, he tweeted that Comey, quote, better hope there are no tapes of our conversations before he starts leaking to the press, end quote. The House Intelligence Committee, however, has set a Friday deadline for the White House to produce any tapes if they exist. And Montana Republican Greg Gianforte is set to take the oath of office in the U.S. House today. Gianforte was recently sentenced for assaulting a reporter last month. He apologized in court and took full responsibility for an election eve confrontation with a reporter for The Guardian. Gianforte won a special election to replace Republican Congressman Ryan Zinke, who is now the U.S. Interior Secretary. A Montana judge 
judge ordered Gianforte to complete some anger management counseling and community service. And, of course, you can get these stories and more at 1025WFLA.com. I know the first hour of Good Morning Orlando continues now with Gina Cervetti. Yeah, you're right, Deb. We're bringing her in live, as always, at 635 on the 50,000-watt front porch, direct from the Bloomberg Newsroom in New York City. Good Wednesday morning, Gina. Good morning, bud. So you've been analyzing the market, its performance yesterday, checking on what the stock futures are showing you this morning. What do you see? Well, it looks like we're headed for a lower Wall Street open. The futures are down. They've come up a little bit from earlier, but still in negative territory this morning as we continue to see oil falling further into a bear market. It's getting closer to $43 a barrel. And what we saw yesterday on Wall Street was the slump in crude weighing on energy stocks, and that led the market down. So we had the S&P off 7 tenths percent, or 16 points, closing at 2437. The Dow lost 62 to 21. 1467 but keep in mind those two indexes saw record highs earlier in the week the Nasdaq was down 51 points and closed at 6188 just one thing i wanted to point out here bud because of course mm-hmm. we're following the decline in crude oil yeah. but we talked about rising orange juice prices previously it's actually orange juice now that is the leading major co- uh, leading major commodities lower in the first half of the year we've got rising orange juice supply and bloated stockpiles common themes compounding the woes of a lot of different commodities now, from orange juice to crude to sugar. And the orange, um, obviously, orange juice is a big story here in Florida. Citrus is not king anymore. Tourism clearly is, but still a big player in the Sunshine State. Thank you for that perspective. And uh, you've got the Bloomberg angle on a story that Deb brought us a little bit earlier. Uh, The ride-hailing service Uber, their CEO is leaving the company. What's your take on that? Well, he previously announced a leave of absence. Now he is actually stepping away from the company permanently. That's CEO Travis Kalanick at Uber saying he is giving in to investor wishes in the wake of a series of scandals. In the meantime, Uber is trying to make concessions here to clean up its image and keep drivers from leaving. One noteworthy change that just began this week is the ability for customers to tip drivers by using the app. Uber has just rolled this option out in Minneapolis, Houston, and Seattle, but plans to expand across the U.S. by the end of next month. Interesting. And yesterday, if you were with us on the Bloomberg Business Report, you remember Gina was talking to us about how UPS was going to uh, tack on some surcharges for handling packages around the holidays. And you've got a a follow-up on that for us this morning. Right. Now, FedEx is studying whether to charge customers more during the busiest shipping periods, aiming to profit even more from that surge in online shopping. Of course, UPS said that it would impose surcharges on deliveries during the holiday shopping rush in November and December. The FedEx president says that company is in talks with Boeing as well about future fleet opportunities without specifying what aircraft models it's looking at. So we've got a little bit of uh, news for FedEx today on a couple of different fronts. Right. And and when you set us up um, with your stock uh, market analysis earlier, you were talking about um, uh, oil prices on the world markets that are sliding downward. We're noting um, prices at the pump have been going down. I see 201 a gallon coming in here in the morning, which is the lowest I've seen, and I can't remember when. And normally this time of year, gas prices go up because demand for gasoline goes up. But it's a different kind of year, and there may be something interesting behind this, at least partially. What can you tell us? 
Well, this is a Bloomberg story this morning. As you point out, usually this time of year, gasoline demand is starting to go up as people hit the road for vacation. That's not happening this year, and one factor could be that undocumented immigrants are driving less amid an immigration crackdown. This is according to Barclays Capital. Since President Trump took office, the government is increasingly using routine traffic stops by local police to find and deport people without valid papers, and some say they are staying out of their cars to avoid detection. So I have illegal immigrants to thank for getting gas for 201 a gallon. Is that, that's an <laughs> I'm amazing, not going to go that far. That, that's an interesting perspective. Thank you. Much food for thought as always. Gina Cervetti bringing us the daily Bloomberg business report from the Big Apple. Thank you. Catch you tomorrow, Gina. All right, bud. Have a great day. Uh, you as well. Thank you so much. And uh, straight ahead to Yaffe World we go. And this is an upbeat story. At least he's billing it that way. He says the Yaffe generation is leading the way, showing all Americans, regardless of age, how to save money. And it's ahead to Yaffe World we go. We got your ticket punch. Stay with us. You don't want to miss it. That in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in only two minutes here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Now, Good Morning Orlando again probes the mysterious world of the millennials to reveal how and what young America thinks. It's another spine-tingling journey into Yaffe World. And Yaffe, I'm really interested in this story because as a young man, when I was the age of the Yaffe generation, the millennials in that 18 to 34 demographic, I had a huge problem managing my money and my checkbook, really? let alone saving anything. <laughs> and apparently, the new generation of young Americans is doing better than the Budman remembers doing. This sounds like an interesting story. Well, yes, that's right. And the reason why I wanted to bring up this story is it seems like all we talk about are negative stories about the millennial generation. It always seems like we're bashing my generation, but this is actually a story well, you're that very, you're very bashable. <laughs> oh, is that what it is? But, but we uh -huh. love you anyway. Uh -huh. Go ahead. Go all ahead. Go all ahead. right. All right. <laughs> so, but this story actually is kind of different. It actually shows that millennials, the Yaffe generation, are saving more money and better at saving their money than previous generations. Yeah. Apparently, a poll has been done on this. Yeah. Yes, by Bankrate. Dot com bankrate.com did a poll and what they found is overall in the country not just millennials but overall more people are saving their money they have three to five months exp worth of expenses saved just in case they lose a job or something that is a great trend and an important trend in this country yeah it's up from 22 percent just two years ago now it's to 31 percent but the guys at bankrate.com say a lot of this has to do with the millennial generation hmm. According to the survey, 31% of Americans age 18 to 26, so a little bit even younger than me, the younger millennial part of the generation, uh, they have saved enough to cover three to five months worth of expenses. Now, according to one of the chief financial analysts at Bankrate.com, he said uh, millennials have a savings discipline that the preceding generations lacked. Hmm says they have a greater aversion to debt as they're not they're not as consumption focused and they have a greater propensity towards saving than we've seen in some time. I hope they're right on that because that bodes well for the future. And, and I wonder I wonder Yaffe what what's behind that? Do you think they've maybe seen 
how debt-ridden their parents are, how debt-ridden the country is, and say, I can't do anything about them or about the the problem with the $20 trillion debt, but I can take care of getting my own house in order financially. Well, I think that actually does have a lot to do with it, especially seeing their parents debt-ridden and how much that affected their parents growing up. But I honestly think the biggest thing that has to do with it is these kids grew up, a lot of them, in the Great Recession. So a lot of times when you think about the people who lived in the Great Depression, yeah, they had more of a focus to want to save. They had more of a focus to appreciate what they have, fix something rather than just replace it and buy something new. And I think we're in a similar situation, especially with younger millennials, because they were in middle school, high school age. And that's when they started growing and started understanding this stuff. And they saw the economy almost crash. They and saw they, their and, parents and they, and, lose money. Right, and lose jobs. Yeah, and they saw their parents lose jobs. They right. see the debt mm-hmm. in the country. They yeah. see how debt crippled their parents, especially if their parents lost money and lost jobs. And I'm totally, and I think, after seeing that, it makes them think differently about money than say, than say what other people thought. So that's some good news here out of Yaffe World. Join us next time for another illuminating journey into the mind of the millennials in Yaffe World. We are ready to go. We're celebrating the first day of summer with our sound judgment game this morning. And what's the prize or prizes up for grabs, Priscilla? It's a family four-pack of tickets to the mascot games presented by Wawa and benefiting New Hope for Kids coming back to the Amway Center June 24th. See Stuff, Nitro, Albert, and over 20 fan favorites battle it out in wacky games. Fun for the entire family. Tickets are on sale right now and start at just 12 bucks. Get all the details at 1025wfla.com keyword tickets. And we're also throwing in four advanced screening passes to see Despicable Me 3 before it even hits theaters on June 30th. That looks like a terrific movie. I was seeing a trailer on uh, TV on, on an ad there. And at the, um, at the mascot games, it's great, great fun. All the great um, uh, sports uh, mascots will be there, stuff and everybody else. And Yaffe's a referee. Maybe you can get an autograph from our fine executive producer. So we're ready to go. As we celebrate the first day of summer with our sound judgment game, summer began officially just after midnight, and the sun will be up longer today than any other day of the year. Now, there are lots of songs about summer. Here is one of my favorites, been around forever, those lazy, hazy, crazy days of summer. So listen to sound from the opening line of that hit song, then use your sound judgment to sing the rest of the line. Get all the words right, and you're our winner. Roll out those lazy, hazy, crazy days of summer. Line one, finish the line. Smoke on the water. No, but thank you for trying. Uh, open line at 407-916-5400. Roll out those lazy, hazy, crazy days of summer. Line two, finish it. Nope, not happening. Is this that tough? I guess the song's been around too long. 407-916-5400. Line three, finish the line. Sorry, but not even I'm old enough to know that one. Love you, though. All right, all right, good deal. Well, they keep on playing it. I hear it every summer. Let's go 407-916-5400. Everyone has dropped off the line, Yaffe. I've got no players. 
I've got. Do you know it? Could you guys finish that on your own or not? No, I had no, no idea. No way. Really? <laughs> I've, that's no the clue. first I've heard it. Really? Yeah. No kidding. You got one more caller. Can I? Can I put him on yet? Is he ready to go? Or not? You got to come on. Let's get it. Let's get it going. See if we can get a winner here. Roll out the lazy, hazy, crazy days of summer. Can anybody finish that famous line? Line one. Go ahead. No? Okay. All right. One more time, and then we're going to shut it down. Line three, go ahead. Those days of soda and pretzels and beer. Oh, I don't know, Yaffe. Let's listen. Those days of soda and pretzels and beer. Hallelujah, and I'm clapping right along with them. (laughs) Yes, we do have a winner. Way to go. Congratulations to you. You still there? Yes, sir. All right. You're winning the prizes, buddy. Thank you for bailing us out and being our winner here this morning. I didn't think it was that tough, but congratulations to you. What's your first name? Chuck. Chuck, where are you calling from today? Claremont. Good deal. Thanks for being on the 50,000-watt front porch. I'm tight on time. Deb's getting ready with the news. I'm going to put you on hold, Chuck, and we'll work these prizes out with Priscilla, okay? Thank you, bud. Good deal, and thank you. Congratulations. Woo! I'm off the hook. I hate it when we don't give away a prize because nobody could get the answer. Okay? And we finally got it done. Good morning, Orlando. On the top of the morning to you here at the top of the 7 o'clock hour as you join us for the latest look at Orlando's news, weather, and traffic here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning Karen Handel is victorious in Georgia's special election, and Hall of Famer Warren Sapp is donating his brain for concussion research. We'll have the details in one minute. And. The 100-year-old Confederate statue suddenly gone from Lake Eola in downtown Orlando. My take in yours next on Good Morning Orlando. Good Wednesday morning at 7.03 on News Radio 102.5. President Trump is celebrating Republican victories in two special elections last night. Trump congratulated Karen Handel for winning Georgia's 6th Congressional District. Handel beat Democratic rival John Ossoff to keep the seat that was vacated by Health and Human Services Secretary Tom Price in Republican hands. Trump also congratulated Ralph Norman for his victory in South Carolina's 5th Congressional District. Norman beat Democrat Archie Parnell for the seat that opened up when Mick Mulvaney became Trump's budget director. This news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Later in this hour, we're going to have analysis and um, a full uh, insight into the, this race, and it will be with our national correspondent, Joe Gomez. That's coming up at about quarter to eight. All right. Well, back here in Florida, former Bucks defensive tackle and Apopka native Warren Sapp says memory loss has prompted him to push for more concussion research. My whole thing when I started playing the game was I wanted this game to be better when I left than when I got into it. And that's the reason I'm donating my brain to the Concussion Legacy Foundation. In a three-minute video blog on the Players' Tribune, Sapp also says kids shouldn't be allowed to play tackle football until they're in high school. That's really terrific what he's doing here. Yeah, it is. And call attention to the cause, and then, of course, obviously the research that will be done when his time is done. Um, I I salute Warren for that. I do, too, you know. Help push the game forward and figure out how we can keep our tackle football but not have the players have to sacrifice their health and their lives yep. to play it. Yeah, and, and it's a difficult path you have yeah. to find when you've got those big bodies 
you know, who are moving faster and faster every season. Yeah, exactly. The physics of all of it make this a real challenge, but something absolutely important to pursue. And speaking of a challenge, a new report finds that shootings are now the third leading cause of death for children in the U.S. The report released Monday shows that nearly 1,300 U.S. children die from gunshot wounds every year. Researchers with the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention also found that nearly 5,800 kids are treated for gunshot wounds and survive each year. The three groups of kids most likely to die in shootings are boys, older children, and black children. The report is published in the journal Pediatrics. I think for the most part it's a parenting issue. If you've got guns, Second Amendment gives you the right to carry them. You've got an obligation to make sure they don't fall into the hands of your kids. Yeah, absolutely. Meanwhile, Trayvon Martin's mother has an idea that could help reduce gun violence. Sabrina Fulton spoke yesterday at the annual session of the National Baptist Congress here in Orlando. She suggested ex-felons should reach out to younger criminals to set them straight. She also said gun buyback programs aren't going to get criminals to hand in their guns. Know someone with back pain? Well, turns out yoga can be just as effective as physical therapy when it comes to relieving back pain. Researchers at Boston Medical Center developed an effective yoga program with the help of doctors, therapists, and yoga instructors. A key benefit of yoga is it helps people avoid taking pain medication something recommended by the American College of Physicians. Patients in the yoga and physical therapy groups showed about the same level of improvement over several weeks. The new findings were also published Monday in the Annals of Internal Medicine. And finally, North Korean state media is accusing the U.S. military of deliberately introducing the Zika virus into South Korea. Oh, come on. The charge was published Tuesday in a story condemning a concert in South Korea celebrating the 100th birthday of the U.S. Army 2nd Infantry Division, which is stationed in the South. The news agency included the Zika virus in a list of supposed crimes committed by the, quote, U.S. imperialist ogres. Zika, of course, which can cause birth defects, became a major concern in the Americas in 2015 and 2016 as an epidemic rapidly spread around the world. South Korea's first reported case of the mosquito-borne virus was in 2016 in a man who returned from a trip to Brazil. North Korea launched a major anti-Zika campaign amid fears it could spread inside their borders. Mm. Yeah, hope springs eternal. Mm. WFLA oh. News Time, 707. <laughs> so are they. Me? Yeah, exactly. So are they. Give what you get, right? Mm. WFLA News Time again at 707. Now, could a shot of local anesthetic block PTSD's harmful effects? It's ah. a question you can read for yourself at 1025WFLA.com. The second hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. News, weather, traffic. This is Good Morning Orlando with Bud Hedinger and Deborah Roberts on News Radio 1025. So, the Confederate War statue that has stood overlooking Lake Eola for about a hundred years in downtown Orlando, dubbed the Johnny Reb statue, is gone from public view, relegated to a corner of the Greenwood Cemetery in the name of inclusion and equality and not offending anybody. The call made unilaterally by Orlando Mayor Buddy Dyer. How do you feel about the statue being gone from downtown Orlando's Lake Eola Park? And how do you feel about one man being able to make the call and the deal is done. I've got some problems with it, and I wonder what you think. 
as we get into it in detail in a moment. We'll have that for you from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. And, of course, we bring you an update on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic. And that's only two minutes out here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I've been a history buff as long as I can remember. And so maybe I have a somewhat biased view toward preserving our history, whether we are 100% comfortable with that history or not. It happened. It is part of our past. It influences our present and our future. I just have a fundamental problem when history is just swept away from public view. And it is why my headline on the story about the removal of the Civil War monument on a pedestal 40 feet high at Lake Eola Park has been there 100 years now of a Confederate soldier dubbed Johnny Reb is so offensive to me. And my headline is this. What we have here is tyranny of the minority in Orlando as one man, and that is our mayor, Buddy Dyer, single-handedly makes the call, and there's no debate or dispute or any other recourse to stop this. The mayor makes the call, gives the order, and yesterday with no announcement in advance, other than we knew this was coming at some point, engineered the removal of that statue, banishing it to a corner of the Greenwood Cemetery where there are other Civil War graves. Okay? Single-handedly, the mayor is responsible. He made a unilateral call here back in May to remove 100 years of Civil War history from view. Yesterday, he was interviewed in one of the local television stations. Here's what the mayor said. Maybe historical markers are better suited for other places than in the signature entrance feature to our main park. Um, We're a city that has evolved to embrace diversity and inclusion, equality. So I decided that, or I think, that the appropriate place is in the Confederate section of the Greenwood Cemetery. All right, so there you go. It's all about the the inclusion and equality movement, LGBT, whatever else, okay? And you've got a liberal mayor here, a Democrat liberal mayor, Buddy Dyer, you know, and this just kind of fits into the pattern here. And he he just caved almost instantly to pressure he was receiving, as far as I can tell, primarily from one man who was an African-American in town, David Porter, who's a blogger now, used to work for the Orlando Sentinel, who kept on lobbying the mayor. you got to get this thing out here. He says it it is a symbol of uh, the era of slavery and brutality against blacks, and it has no right to remain where it has been for 100 years on the shores of Lake Eola downtown. And the mayor said, okay, works for me. Bang, said he made the call, and he did it. And yesterday, as I say, with very little announcement uh, beforehand, so there wouldn't be any particular protest because, you know, nobody knows it's coming, um, they took it down and took it out in a flatbed truck. They got to repair it. They found a time capsule. That'll be interesting to see what's in there from 100 years ago. But I have a problem with removing history in that way. And I have an idea when you have a local iconic structure like this, I just have a huge problem with one man being able to remove it and nobody else has a say. I think that's fundamentally un-American, don't you? So that's where I am on this. I've got a problem on two levels, but I wonder if I'm the only one who does. 
407-916-5400. Text line 23680. You know, there are inscriptions on all four sides of the um, Johnny Reb uh, Civil War statue. The shores of Lake Eola, you won't be able to see it there. You have to go to a corner of Greenwood Cemetery now. It's been banished to there. And uh, Mayor Dyer just unilaterally made the decision, and it was done yesterday with no real prior publicity. I'm sure they didn't want the protests. You know, the inscriptions are on all four sides of it, and, and one side says this, The cause for which he suffered was lost. The people for whom he fought were crushed. The hopes in which he trusted were shattered. But his fame consigned to the keeping of time, which happily is not so much the tomb of virtue as its shine, shall in the years to come fire modest worth to noble ends. And the monument shall stand, they said in another part of the inscription, written a hundred years ago or more, through the years to come as our loving tribute to the Confederate soldiers and as a memorial to his heroic courage, his unparalleled devotion, and his unselfish patriotism. But um, Buddy Dyer caved to a little bit of pressure that this whole thing was racist and inappropriate, needed to go. He's all about his campaign for inclusion and equality. We saw all that with Pulse, et cetera, et cetera, and so it is gone. I just have a problem with what happened and the way it happened here. Uh, Brian, good morning from Orlando. You're on with a Bud Man with your take on this. Hey, buddy. Yeah, I have to completely agree with the removal. Um, as a veteran of the military, I say that uh, when the military makes a sudden strike on the enemy, they do so without notifying them first. And in this case, when you know you're going to make a decision, one that's going to cause uh, some discord and uh, it's going to be highly uh, possibly unpopular and you might have some protests and some violence, it, and you know it's going to get done anyway, it's better just to make go ahead and make the decision and get it done rather than risking life and you okay with one man doing it is that not tyranny of the minority that one man should be able to make a call like that well when we elect our uh representatives to govern us we we do so knowing that they might be in a position to make decisions uh on behalf of everyone that their elected represents so so you think that you think this statue needed to go well, I mean, I identify myself as a as a white male, and so it, it, it's... What's the answer I, to the question? Are you glad it's gone or not? I mean, how often have I... Okay, I, I, I needed an answer. I don't have all, all day. Thank you, though. Vinny, good morning to you. Yeah, I think uh, the Democrats are removing these statues because they're afraid people are starting to figure, figure out the truth. And the truth is, these are Democrat Party icons. It was uh, Lincoln and the Republicans that wanted to abolish slavery, and it was the Democrat Party that wanted to keep it. That's an interesting perspective. The honest with you, hadn't thought about that. Robert from Orlando, do you understand where I'm coming from on this? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, hey, what do you expect from a lefty? I mean, look at what the guy in the White House did for eight years. He would have executive ordered us out of business if he could have. And, you know, you know what's interesting about this? What's that? I come to Orlando twice a, twice a month. I live in St. John's County. I come down here on business. The last time I was down here, I was with my wife. I looked around and I said, look at these, look at these dysfunctional roads. It's got to be run by a, a lefty. And I don't keep up with the politics here. But this place has got to be run by a lefty. Nothing's getting done. And I look around and you know what the interesting dichotomy is here? What's that? They want, they want inclusion. But then they make unilateral decisions. They're all a bunch of walking, talking frauds. 
Oh, interesting. Thank you, Robert. I got to tell you, though, I've been around this town long enough to know there's a lot of Republicans involved in this screwed up road system, as well as the Democrats. On the text line on the statue. Go ahead, Yaffe. Uh, yes, we have a bunch of people that agree with you, Bud, um, saying they both have a problem with removing the statue because they believe it's trying to erase history. But they also have a problem because they don't think Buddy Dyer should be the one person who just makes a decision unilaterally. One person said, I believe Buddy Dyer is a cowardly man for giving into one lonely complaint in removing the statue. Seems like you get the pressure of one black activist in town, David Porter, Porter, who drove this thing. And all of a sudden, Dyer said, that's it. He's changed my view on this. I thought it was, you know, legitimate historical uh, a legitimate historical marker. Now I see it as suddenly it's a racist symbol. It's just got to go. Too offensive to too many people. Gone. Thank you. Great debate. Big focus this half hour on the results of that closely watched Georgia special House election, starting with Deb's update. Thank you, bud. Republicans will maintain control of Georgia's 6th Congressional District after Karen Handel came out on top of yesterday's hotly contested special election for the U.S. House of Representatives. Handel defeated Democrat John Ossoff 53 to 47 percent. Their race came in as the most expensive congressional contest in U.S. history. Also, some uh, breaking news. Just wanted to let you know that Prince Philip in England, 96 years old, has been hospitalized again Uh. Uh, today. No word on exactly why. Okay, fair enough. We will watch that very closely. And coming up here in about 10 minutes, our national correspondent Joe Gomez, who's been very close to this election here, will have uh, some commentary and analysis for us live, Deb. This news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Ah, but Joe Gomez doesn't have this story, bud. No, no, only the Deb Meister's got this That's story. That's right. Supporters of President Donald Trump can now express their enthusiasm at the beach by wearing a custom swimsuit. Yeah? Displaying his face. Really? The California-based company Beloved Shirts, the same ones that brought us the hairy chest swimsuit for women, (laughs) has created a one-piece bathing suit featuring a close-up of Trump making one of his signature facial expressions. Wait a minute. A one pay a one is this a, a a man's or a woman's suit? It's a woman's suit. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a woman's suit. Okay, I have to go get a bathing suit today. Okay, for Do our upcoming you? family vacation. But this would not be for the Bud Man. I, you know, you might want. I'm not quite sure I'd look really good in that. I would say the facial expression would not make anyone. It's just not the way to make America great again. Go ahead. The suit is made from hand cut material and can be purchased for fifty dollars. That's it. Ranging in sizes from extra small to double extra large, bud. You'll have to wait about 10 days for the swimwear. Because it's a woman's suit. I'm out. I'm not doing this. Because it's handcrafted. <laughs> but contact them and find out if they make men's suits. Maybe you could be the, 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 you could be the change. <laughs> it's huge. So. It's huge. Thank you very much. <laughs> You'd look bigly in it. Stop that. Come on. <laughs> what about the facial expression? Do you have anything more on that? I mean, uh, they, do we know? Do yeah, you know? Yeah, I do. Yeah? It's it's not flattering for anybody. Uh, okay. <laughs> it's All right. not flattering okay. to the president, and it wouldn't be flattering to wear it on your... All right. It's not going to go well with my Make America Great Again hat. No. No. Okay. No. All right. No. All right. But I will figure out how much bet money I can get just to see if we could get you in it just for a quick pick. Donald Trump doesn't have enough money to get me in that thing. (laughs) 
All right, all right. Well, Barbie is set to release more diverse versions of Ken dolls. The company debuted 15 new models of Ken yesterday, including three different body types, seven skin tones, eight hair colors, and nine hairstyles. One Ken will even sport the trendy man bun. While another oh, will have come on. While another will have cornrows. I kid you not. Wow. A man bun. Yeah. The new dolls are an effort to promote b- uh, positive body images and increase personalization. Hmm. Priscilla, you were your expression changed when we said man bun and I reacted the way I did. Do you like a like a tied back bun on a guy? I absolutely do not. Thank I am you. not a Thank fan. <laughs> they even have fake ones that you can put yes. on your hair now. Oh, come on. Yes. I saw I that kid on you Facebook. Not. They have fake man buns, bud. Like how women get extensions? Yeah. You can get a extension for your man bun to make it look fuller. You know, it's completely ridiculous, but I'm really upset. I didn't think of that. Because. <laughs> 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 I know. Money hand over money, fist. Yeah, make a lot of money selling those. Yeah, or, right. you know, Well, money. I'm not going to get too hung up on this because I, as you can well imagine, don't log a lot of time playing with Barbie or Ken. So, uh, man buns on Ken? Yeah, Give yeah, I'm with you on that one. You have a granddaughter, though, bud. You're not going to get her oh, a Ken with a man bun? yeah, not a couple likely. of granddaughters. <laughs> yeah, get one with the cornrows and the other with the man bun. I feel like if <laughs> that ever, if she, if she, he ever saw his granddaughter with one, he would go in there and cut off the man bun. He probably would, would with right scissors. in front of her. Yeah, no. <laughs> exactly. That's it. Drop the Barbie. Yeah, Paca's got his limits. Don't push me. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, Hump Day is here, and with it comes an awful lot to celebrate. Did you know that today is National Selfie Day? No. It's also National Go Skateboarding Day, National Seashell Day, ooh, to enjoy in Sanibel and Captiva, and National Peaches and Cream Day. So enjoy. Good stuff here on the first day of summer. Seems like a lot of work to get that selfie, though. I have to have a selfie with peaches and cream shells, and what was the other one? Uh, go skateboarding. While skateboarding. Yeah. All right. And take a lot of work in, to do. Take one in your Trump bathing suit, all right? We'll put it on the website. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, Thank you. Yeah. All right, Deb. Catch you later here. You're welcome. Well, the clock reads 745, and that's the arranged time for our national correspondent, Joe Gomez, to join me live here in Good Morning Orlando uh, with more perspectives and analysis on the results of the closely watched Georgia 6th District House special election filled by the Democrats who, who, who just absolutely threw an enormous amount of money unprecedented into this race, calling it a referendum on President Trump. I guess if that's true, Trump won because the Republican candidate is the winner, as we were discussing earlier on the show. Let's bring in Joe, who is live with us now. And uh, it's always a pleasure to have you with us, my friend. What can you tell us about the race the final results, the margin of victory. I'm seeing some conflicting numbers, but everybody, of course, is reporting the Republican has won it, Joe. Yeah, I mean, there have been some conflicting uh, reports out as to the margin. I mean, I think that, uh, for instance, some websites uh, actually have downplayed the margin a little bit, but I, it, it seems to be comfortably around the 5% area that uh, Karen Handel was able to win by at least five points over the Democrat challenger John Ossoff. And a lot is being made out of her win because Democrats spent a lot of money on this particular race, well over $20 million, along with uh, major celebrity endorsements uh, trying to help Ossoff defeat the handle. 
Any um, any rock solid analysis on how this was won by Karen Handel? Does it ultimately look like it? Essentially, no matter how the Democrats try to build it as a referendum on Trump, it is a local election in a traditionally Republic district. Um, what were the keys to victory and to Ossoff's defeat? Well, I think uh, it sounds like a lot of it kind of played out on the local level because Ossoff lived just outside of the district. So he wasn't a resident of the district, and yet he was running uh, for Congress to represent it. He couldn't and, even uh, vote for himself, Joe. Right. He couldn't <laughs> even vote for himself. And yeah. so it, on, on, on polling day, uh, Karen Handel had the I voted sticker <clears throat> and, and made it a point to say <laughs> to reporters that, uh, you know, that Ossoff can't have one of those. He, yeah. he gave up for himself. So I think that. Maybe to some degree, local politics was a factor. <clears throat> and, I mean, Karen Hale had a more name recognition, I think, than Ossoff did as well. But, but also it could come down to messaging. I think Democrats still haven't refined uh, a message that reaches out to um, independents or, or the middle class necessarily well. And they're still trying to repeat the same strategy that Hillary Clinton did back in 2016 when she suffered uh, that crippling defeat to President Trump. And speaking of President Trump, we got 30 seconds, Joe. He is obviously very, very pleased that the Republicans have won another one of these special House elections. They've won them all. Yeah, I mean, uh, the president tweeted out, as a matter of fact, that uh, special elections over and those that want to make America great again are 5 in O. All the fake news, all the money spent equal, equals zero. So I think we're probably going to hear a little bit more from President Trump uh, tonight uh, when he has a Make America Great Again rally in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Oh, we'll be looking forward to that. That's the first word I had on that. I got so many eyes and so many other things. Our national correspondent, Joe Gomez, on the uh, hotly contested race in Georgia. Thanks for joining us as always, Joe. Have a great rest of the day. Okay, thanks, bud. You bet. There we go. Um, the Rush Morning Update is coming up here, and then we got a third big hour on the 50,000-watt uh, front porch. We're going to get into the Bud Man's NFL playbook here. Wait a minute, Bud Man. This is not a sports talk show. Why are we talking sports? Because these two stories are not sports stories, and you will want to hear them and weigh in on them, I promise you. As we roll on from the Frontgate Realty Studio, visit laurahasthebuyers.com. Dead ahead, ahead of the Rush Morning Update, I'm going to update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic. And that's only two minutes out, so stay with me if you can here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. You know, as different as we are politically, I, I freely salute, and anyone who knows me knows they've heard this story before, Jim Phillips, because he's maybe singularly responsible for me being in the talk radio business after a long career as a television news guy and television news anchor here. And uh, 15 years ago, when I was no longer doing television news, uh, they were looking to get uh, somebody on the air here to do a talk show on WFLA. They asked Jim Phillips, do you think Bud could do this? Because I used to do a thing from the local newsroom where I was working doing the news on television, or I would uh, kick the issues around with Jim, and we would uh, really lock horns and get into it back and forth, and we had a great time. And uh, Jim Phillips said, yeah, I think the guy would be great. You ought to hire him. You know how he is. <laughs> and they listened to him in management and brought me on board. So, Jim, one more time, thanks for the radio career, buddy. Thanks for the radio career. I wish him well in his upcoming retirement. 
Good morning, Orlando. Top of the morning to you here at 8 o'clock on a Wednesday as we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning Karen Handel is victorious in Georgia's special election, and Senator Bill Nelson blasts the GOP's health care bill. We'll have the details in one minute. And a rare look into the Budman's NFL playbook. But these are not sports stories we'll be talking about next on Good Morning Orlando. Good Wednesday morning. It's 8.03 on News Radio 1025. Republican Karen Handel is celebrating today after winning Georgia's closely watched special House election. In her victory speech last night, Handel reached out to voters who supported Democrat John Ossoff and promised to work hard to earn their confidence in the weeks ahead. Handel also urged more civility in politics. Handel will fill the seat vacated by Health and Human Services Secretary Tom Price. And Republican Ralph Norman is the winner in South Carolina's special election. Norman beat Democratic Archie Parnell last night for the open seat in the Palmetto State's 5th Congressional District. Norman will fill the seat vacated by President Trump's budget director, Mick Mulvaney. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Overseas, Prince Philip has been admitted to a hospital for treatment of an infection and will not be able to attend the Queen's speech. Buckingham Palace says Philip, Queen Elizabeth II's husband, was admitted as a precautionary measure and is in good spirits. Philip, who's also known as the Duke of Edinburgh, is 96 and recently said he was stepping down from public events. He has suffered heart ailments in the past, and the palace said this infection is related to a pre-existing condition. Meanwhile, residents in the London neighborhood where a massive apartment fire last week left at least 79 people dead are angry about what some are calling grief tourism. Since the fire left the 24-story Grenfell Tower a charred husk, there's been an influx of people coming through the area to take selfies in front of the ruins. You know, we saw that at Pulse Nightclub Absolutely. as well. There was an element of that, and it's pretty unsavory. It's, and it's as old as people. Yes, you know, I think it you're really right. is. Yeah. People in the neighborhood, however, have put up signs asking people to show some respect and to stop treating the place like a tourist site. Yeah. Back here in the States, Florida Senator Bill Nelson is critical of Republicans' efforts to come up with a health care bill behind closed doors. The Democrats spoke Tuesday on the Senate floor. How are we going to fix it? You're not going to do it by running around in the dead of night, secretly putting together a plan that's only going to be a partisan plan. If you're going to fix the health care system, you're going to have to do it together. Nelson opposes efforts to completely repeal the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare, which he says has benefited many of his Florida constituents. In local news, even though it is legal here in Florida, there is one popular spot where medical marijuana probably won't be allowed. The Greater Orlando Aviation Authority will vote today on banning medical marijuana from Orlando International Airport. The airport says allowing medical marijuana could put it at risk of losing federal funding, and anyone caught with medical marijuana will be detained or arrested. Orlando police, however, say they won't arrest anyone legally carrying medical marijuana at the airport. And finally, I was so surprised to find this out this morning, bud. Jay Sekulow, a lawyer who recently joined President Donald Trump's legal team, Mm -hmm. is in a band with the former lead singer of Kansas. Dust in the wind. Yeah. Spin announced this week that Sekulow plays guitar and drums in the Jay Sekulow band, which also features John Elefante, who sang for Kansas on two albums starting in 1982. Wow. John Schlitt, who was a lead singer for a Christian rock band, Petra, for 20 years, is also in the group. 
Wow. Because being a high-powered attorney just doesn't take up enough of his time. I'll tell you. I mean, he was singing a tune over and over on the weekend Sunday shows uh, that the president (laughs) is not under investigation. (laughs) But I had no idea he was such an accomplished musician. I did not either, or that that? he's playing with accomplished musicians. Wow. I've always been impressed with Jay Sekulow. I really have been. Uh, But I had no idea about that dimension to his life, which I guess we've discovered together here today, haven't we? Exactly. So here's something else to really admire about Jay. WFLA Newstime, it's 8.07. Read about high schools abandoning the valedictorian award over fears of unhealthy competition. At 1025WFLA.com, the third hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. From News Radio 1025, this is Good Morning Orlando. I know why they're doing that. That's because the everybody gets a trophy in Little League crowd has now grown up. You know, so you don't want anyone to feel bad because, well, geez, look at him. He gets a valedictorian award, and I don't get anything. Now, like one quarter of the class gets a valedictorian designation? I know. It's supposed to be a competition. I That's think That's what so. it is. It's supposed to be a competition. I know at that point you might as well just get rid of it. Uh, uh, no. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't want to get rid of it, but I'm saying when a quarter of the class has it, it just oh yeah, then it, the purpose. it dilutes it. It, it abs- it's absolutely meaningless. Exactly. You know, Yaffe. Note to the executive producer: We're going to blow out some time. I'm going to go nuts on this tomorrow on the show. This, yeah, this story I makes me figured. crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah same here. <laughs> Thanks, Deb. You're welcome. Deborah Roberts with the news, top and bottom of the hour. Whenever it breaks, Yaffe producing as only he can, oh so well. And Priscilla's our screener, and we love it when she joins us. We haven't had her around here in a while. And um, we love Priscilla. So the number, if you just want to talk to Priscilla, and maybe you'd like to talk to me as well, is 407-916-5400. Text line 23680. We're not a sports talk show. I'm a big sports fan. You probably know that if you're a regular on the program. But I'm going to delve into our NFL playbook, the Budman style here, for a couple of very important stories that are really not sports stories at all. And we'll talk about them in a moment. Kaepernick. And the Redskins, okay? All right, now you say, all right, I was going to tune out. Go see what they're doing. I'm down the dial. Now I'm going to listen to the- That's good. I like that. We'll get into it here in a moment from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit LauraHasBuyers.com. We'll um, get into this, and we'll update, of course, Orlando's news, weather, and traffic, as we always do. And that is in just two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFL. Oh, I love that, Yaffe. You're firing me up here for a rare look into the Budman's NFL playbook. I know we're not a sports talk show. We got our friends, our sister station, 96.9 The Game. will handle that, 740 on the AM dial. I listen to them when I'm driving home in the morning, and I love them. But these are NFL-related stories that are really much more than just sports stories that I want to bring you here this morning, and I will be making time to take your calls and text messages, 407-916-5400, text line 23680. The United States Supreme Court, in a unanimous ruling, has scored a touchdown for the Washington Redskins. They have been embattled for years by the federal government that has been trying to force them to drop the Redskins name because it is offensive to Native Americans, even though surveys taken, polling done, 
with Native Americans shows that the vast majority of them are not at all offensive, uh, offended by Redskins, the Washington Redskins. As a matter of fact, they kind of like it, most of them. But the government needs to be butting out of this kind of social engineering, and that was affirmed in a ruling this week unanimously by the often divided Supreme Court, 4-4. It was a trademark ruling in a case brought by the Oregon-based Asian-American band The Slants, okay, which can be a derogatory term for somebody who's from Asia. Has to do with the eyes, okay? And uh, they'd been denied a trademark because the government said that is that's disparaging of Asians to say we're calling ban the slants. And and this has an implication for the Redskins. Okay, it was a unanimous ruling, and the ruling was that the government needed to butt out on this kind of thing. That under under our First Amendment freedoms, well, here is what Sam Alito, who wrote the court's opinion, had to say. The commercial market is well-stocked with merchandise that disparages prominent figures and groups. And the line between commercial and non-commercial speech is not always clear, as the case of the Slants Band illustrates. If affixing the commercial label permits the suppression of any speech that may lead to political or social volatility, free speech would be endangered. That the government putting its heavy hand down and deciding... Who can get a trademark and who can't based on what they consider to be disparaging or offensive undermines the very purpose of the First Amendment. Yaffe, the Supreme Court, 8-0, got it right. And I think that this, this may well end the problems that Washington's football team has been having keeping the Redskins handled. Well, that's why it's called free speech. Thank you very much. I mean, that's the whole purpose of it. Yeah, absolutely right. Now, also in the NFL playbook of the Bud Man here this morning, and it's much bigger than a sports story. You remember Colin Kaepernick, who was a top-flight quarterback several years ago for the San Francisco 49ers, and um, and, and he refused to stand for the National Anthem last year, okay? And uh, ultimately, he lost his job with the 49ers. Nobody has picked him up. I mean, he would be good enough to be a backup quarterback for a lot of teams, but people won't pick him up because he'll poison the locker room and the PR nightmare with the fans will be unbelievable, okay? Now I think he has put the final nail in the coffin of his pro football career with what he has had to say about police in this country. This guy will be 1,000% more radioactive now than ever before. I'll share that with you in a moment. But what are your thoughts on that Supreme Court ruling? They scored a touchdown for the Washington Redskins, and I love it because they got it right. How do you see it? 407-916-5400, text line 23680. It's not accurate to say it's been erased. It's just been removed from public view, essentially, okay? And we debated all the issues surrounding that, and it was done with no prior announcement so there wouldn't be any protests, and there weren't. And I was sad on a couple of levels, but that's a 7 o'clock story, and we have moved on. Back into the Budman's news-oriented NFL playbook, okay? National Football League quarterback Colin Kaepernick. You remember him? He refused to stand for the national anthem because he was in protest of, of the situation in this society for his fellow black Americans, discrimination, et cetera, and he would not stand for the Star-Spangled Banner again 
until action was taken to rectify the situation and end this discrimination? Well, finally, the season ended last year, and um, and he didn't have a job with the with the 49ers anymore. And uh, so he decided, if anybody will pick me up and hire me to be their quarterback, I will stand for the national anthem because I think maybe some progress has been made and I've called attention to these various issues. You know, translation, he wants to still make millions of dollars, and the only way to do it, you know, is to get off his knees and stand up for the national anthem, okay? Created an outrage in the National Football League fan base. And as a matter of fact, people fled from the broadcasts and in some cases from the stadiums and the ratings were down, etc. And he became poison and nobody was going to pick him up, even though he has the skill set to be a backup quarterback for a number of teams that could use somebody with his experience and his and his talents. But nobody's going to bring him on because there'll be a revolt in the fan base and a, a nonstop PR nightmare. And nobody believed that he really had changed his views, okay? And now I believe he's pretty much ended his NFL prospects, and here is why. He is comparing police officers to fugitive slave patrolmen. And he's expressing his displeasure with a verdict in a Minnesota case in which an officer was acquitted in the shooting death of a black motorist. He posted online a graphic reading, You can't ignore your history. Always remember who they are, meaning the cops. On the right a police officer's badge, on the left from long ago, a six-sided badge that in its center says Fugitive Slave Patrol. Between the lines, a police badge shown side by side with a um, Fugitive Slave Patrol badge online. It says you can't ignore your history. Always remember who they are. In other words, cops are racist. It's just like back in the days of slavery. And then he tweeted this, a system that perpetually condones the killing of people without consequence doesn't need to be revised. It needs to be dismantled. Stop arresting anybody who's black, whether they've done a crime or not. That's the kind of respect he doesn't have for law enforcement here. Never mind, never mind that the cops protect him and all of the players at every National Football League game. This is it. He is radioactive. He will not be picked up, I predict, by another National Football League team, no matter how desperate they are for another quarterback. The Supreme Court hits a home run for the Washington Redskins, and Colin Kaepernick drives the last nail in the coffin of his once proud, promising NFL career. That's my take on it. Yaffe, what do you think? Do you think anybody ever picked Kaepernick up again? You know, if he was as good as like Peyton Manning or something, maybe they would excuse it. But he's all he's really not very good, and this definitely does not help him at all. The people in this country, the American people, are not going to put up outright hatred towards cops. They're not. And that's what that was. That's what that tweet was. It was more than just protesting for Black Lives Matter. This was an outright hatred for cops. And what about all the black cops, for one? Are they fugitive slave holders, too? I mean, it makes no sense. There you go. I think it's over for him, and I hope it is. It should be. Let him go do something else, okay? Tim, what are your thoughts? Has um, Colin Kaepernick really driven the last nail into the uh, coffin of his once-promising NFL career with this, uh, you know, with, with his characterization of cops? 
I, I'll I'll answer with a question. Yeah. Colin Kaepernick is a football player. Not anymore. He just, I mean, come on. No team is going to pick up someone whose focus is on everything but the game. People come to see you play football. If they want your political opinion, they'll ask you. And particularly if your political opinions fly in the face of the vast majority of the ticket-buying public. Not just that. There are police officers that will be guarding the games in which he is playing. Yeah, I made that point earlier, and you're quite right. And so, should they not show up? Right. And do as Colin Kaepernick is asking. You want to dismantle them? Okay, yep. fine. Then you provide your own security for your NFL football games. There you go. Yeah, he he really makes me angry. I knew I, you'd see it my way on that. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I I agree he has the right to speak, but I just he keeps trying to just dredge up this this issue that it's just it just put your mind back on the football game. That's what people come to see it do. Yeah, too late in his regard. He yeah. absolutely is free to say what he wants, but yeah. uh, what you say has consequences, and I think you will continue to see that nobody will pick him up. Plus, he's not very good anymore. Exactly, because so. he's spending all of his time doing stuff other than focusing on becoming a better football player. Right. You know, just... If you want to be a politician, then just be a politician. But don't try and be both. And while we're talking politics, Deb Meister, (laughs) go ahead. Republicans will maintain control of Georgia's 6th Congressional District after uh, Karen Handel came out on top of yesterday's hotly contested special election for the U.S. House of Representatives. Handel defeated Democrat John Ossoff 53 to 47 percent. Their race came in as the most expensive congressional contest in U.S. history. And we're going to hear from the winner and the loser in our next segment. All right. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. How much of a DIYer are you, bud? You're a do-it-yourself kind of guy? Oh, yeah. yeah. I love it. I get myself in a lot of trouble, of course, because I think I can do things I really can't do, but I love trying. Well, this story might <laughs> might just put the kibosh on that. Uh-oh. After a do-it-yourself project gone wrong, a Pennsylvania family is still feeling its consequences 13 years later. Ah. An alarm clock beeping from behind a wall. <laughs> oh, no. Homeowner Jerry Lynn says he dropped the clock through an air vent while trying to pass a wire uh, through for a TV hookup. So he came up with this really clever idea. Get the clock, tie it with a string, was set to go off 10 minutes later to indicate where to punch a hole in the wall. Right. Well, the plan hit a snag when the clock came loose and got stuck in the wall. Lynn didn't panic because he figured after a few months the clock is going to lose battery and that would be the end of his annoyance. That was in September of 2004. Wow. Lynn says the clock still goes off at the same time. And it's battery run? Every day. Yes, because that's called karma. That's amazing. You know what that's called? The best Energizer bunny spot (laughs) ever. They need to get a hold of these people. I'm telling you. You If they have their battery in there and do a commercial on it. What's crazy for me is that he was willing to punch a hole in the wall to figure out where to run a TV wire, but he won't pop a hole in the wall to get the beeping alarm clock after 13 (laughs) years out. Maybe that's the story. Yeah, he sounds like a Budman style do-it-yourselfer. What a story that is. You know it. Uh, Closer to home, if you want to find a suspect, Thief, there's an app for that. Yeah? Volusia County deputies used a man's Find My iPad app to track down his stolen iPad mini Sunday. The app led them to a home on Covington Drive in Deltona where they found the device. Not only that, but nearby deputies also found Raymond Ingberg, who they say had stolen guns, watches, and Air Jordans on him. Ah. <laughs> and finally, you know, you can find a lot of stuff 
around your home in Central Florida when it comes to wild critters, right? Snakes, gators, bears. Oh, yeah. Oh, my. A Sanford woman is crediting her neighbor's dog for alerting her to an unusual discovery. Laura Cook found a family of otters under the hood of her Jeep Monday morning. (laughs) She was led to the discovery by her neighbor's dog who stopped at the Jeep and wouldn't stop barking. She says she called an animal control expert who was able to safely remove the mother otter and her three babies. I'll be darned. So, so we got a happy ending. We do have a happy ending, but because right, there's nothing worse than fried otter under the hood. And you know? that's what she, that's what she was saying. She's like, I don't even <laughs> want to think what would have happened to the otter family if you'd started the car. But it's just one more thing to check under the hood around in Central Florida. Now you yeah. have to look for otters. When I drive in in the middle of the night, I mean, I go through some rural roads, and there are always critters there. Yeah. Th- this morning, there there was a possum who was chewing on the remains of something, and I. It was right dead center in the lane I was in, and I pulled right up to him with my headlights on him. And he was he was eating, so he wasn't going to move. I mean, well, it's... he turned around and looked at me. Right. <laughs> you know, this great big monster car here with the headlights dead on him in the middle of the lane. Turned around and and went back to eating. I'm honking my horn. He won't stop eating. I'd almost pull off the road to get around him, but at least you know, at least it wasn't roadkill. You know, my crater this morning it looked like it was a three foot snake. In the middle of the road, I stopped in the lane thinking, is that a snake? Should I get out of my car and no, see if that's a snake? No, you should not. We need you as a new. We so need you I, doing the news. I took a wide turn around it, looked in my rear view mirror, and it had slithered off. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Welcome yeah. to Florida. Yeah. Don't be getting out of the car when you think there's a snake in a road, Deb Meister. Thank you. Oh, the Democrats were licking their chops, but they've gone, licking their chops, but they've gone down in flames. Again, in one of these special House elections, okay? And it happened in the Georgia 6th District. They poured more money into this than has ever been done before, thinking President Trump is so vulnerable. People will be looking to make a statement against the president, and it will be the beginning of the end of this administration. He's going to have a humiliating defeat. His candidate is going down in Georgia 6. It's going to happen. And the the rabid anti-Trump forces, the ATM machine, I call them, the anti-Trump media machine, CNN, NBC, the Washington Post, the New York Times, they were already picking over the carcass of the President of the United States and Karen Handel, the Republican in this district. But it didn't work out that way. Ultimately, as you have heard, it wasn't even all that close in the grand scheme of things. About a five or six point victory. Some are showing a little bit less than that, but a clear victory for Karen Handel, the Republican, over the loser, Democrat John Ossoff, who is um, a a rabid left-wing liberal. They tried to dress up as a moderate here to attract more votes. Money came in from the Hollywood crowd all around the country in record totals, okay? But it wasn't enough. This guy didn't even live in the same district. Not only is he out of the political mainstream, he lives out of the district, couldn't even vote for himself. And people didn't buy his act, and they were not about to make a statement in Georgia 6 against the President of the United States. It didn't happen. And here is loser Ossoff conceding. This is not the outcome any of us were hoping for. But this is the beginning of something much bigger than us. I don't know what is that. What is that? Maybe another loss at another special election? They've now lost four or five of them in a row. 
<laughs> they don't have a message that resonates with the people in Georgia 6. They don't have one that resonates with the American electorate. The Democrat Party is on the ropes, and that is total confirmation of that last night. And this president is not on the ropes. And that was totally confirmed last night. That's my take on Georgia 6. Let's listen to the winner, along with President Trump, who was the other winner. Here's Karen Handel. Listen to what happens when she thanks the president. And a special thanks to the president of the United States of America. Yeah, the Trump base is cracking. Nobody likes this president anymore. Nobody wants him to remain in office. Let's send him a message. Force him to resign if we can impeach him. (laughs) I would love to be a fly on the wall of the Democrat Party headquarters, the Democratic National Committee, this morning. That's my take on what happened here. Handel, by the way, had been the Secretary of State. They knew her in Georgia. She'd been on the Fulton County Commission for years. And this guy, Ossoff, didn't even live in the district. He's a wet-behind-the-ears 30-year-old liberal, and they didn't buy his act, and no money could buy the Democrats' victory in that special election. That's my take on it. If you want to comment, I'll give you that opportunity at 407-916-5400, text line 23680. Yeah, you've been eyeballing the uh, text line on incoming on what happened in the Georgia 6th Congressional Special House race that I was just sounding off on again here this morning. I'd like you to see, uh, share with us what the texters are saying, and then I want your quick take on this. Uh, yes, one person texted CNN actually saying the election is no big deal. Could you imagine what they would say if it was the other way? <laughs> I was coming in this morning yeah. listening to it in my Lincoln MKZ from Central Florida. Lincoln, I got satellite radio. I'm listening to CNN. They did 30 seconds on this thing. They would have blown <laughs> out course. the whole half hour if and, Ossoff had won it. And another texter said Rachel Maddow actually had weathermen on her show so she could blame the loss on the weather. Oh, she makes me <laughs> sick. What so, about you, buddy, on this? I actually don't think... It was really a referendum, but the Democrats were so bent on making that perception that this will be a referendum on Trump and spending all that money that now the perception is out there created by them that it was a referendum and it makes the Democrats look bad. So really not a win for Democrats at all. It really backfired on them. So they're at least 0 for 4. Um, some are saying 0 for 5. I don't know what the fifth state is. Yeah, none of us can figure out what well, it is. okay, because they also went down in South Carolina in a special election uh, last night. They've also gone down in Montana and in Kansas, you know. And they don't have a message that's resonating with the American well, people. Well, because they're so bent on just blaming Trump, right. bashing Trump. It's got to be think... more about bashing somebody else. It's got to be about what have you got. Well, you they should have learned from Hillary because that's all Hillary had. Yeah. But it didn't work. Yeah. I agree, 100%. Priscilla, you do such a terrific job, and we can have you in here screening. She used to be with us all the time. She works for one of our other sister stations now. She's going to be leaving us very, very shortly. I only have about 30 or 40 seconds now, but if this is the last time we have you here screening, we're all going to miss you. And uh, you're headed off to um, burnish your credentials as a broadcaster. You're going to get another degree? Is that what we're going to do here? 
Yeah, I will be getting my master's degree at Boston University. No kidding. When are you leaving us? Sometime this summer, right? Yeah, I'm actually leaving. I believe I have five weeks left. Wow. We're excited about that. You know, everybody it, it always speaks so highly of you, and we loved your tenure here as I'm an not. intern. I never gave, I never gave <laughs> no, her permission to leave. On. It has never been approved by me. Every time you're on the schedule, Yaffe just lights up because he knows he's going to have no problem at all. And you get it done as a screener, and you're just a terrific person to have around. Thank Whatever you. Whatever you do, dear, stay in touch, and we wish you well, and I know success will come your way. Thank you. <laughs> Yaffe. You are so full of gas. Give me a break. <laughs> anyway, um, that'll do it for this edition here on the 50,000 Watt Front Porch. We're already working on tomorrow's show. It'll be my take and yours on the hottest topics in local, state, national, international, even intergalactic. And we'll be looking for you tomorrow on the 50,000 Watt Front Porch. Now, for uh, Deb and Yaffe and Priscilla, the Budman here, thank you so much. God bless you, and God bless America.